Is the Bible a science book? Can we turn to the book of Genesis and understand it in light of modern science or ask modern scientific questions of the text? Was this the intent of the author? My name's Hayden and this is Help Me Believe. In today's modern scientific era, how could you possibly still believe in God? And, and the resurrection, people do not rise from the dead. And don't even start to tell me that you think the Bible is God's Word. If you've ever heard questions like these, or if you've ever had doubts about your faith, this has helped me believe where each week we aim to answer a tough question about Christianity. Our aim is to strengthen the believer and answer the critic. So today I'm going to be looking at the very first bo uh, book, the very first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, and I'm going to be um, asking some modern scientific questions of the text. And I'm going to step back from that and ask, is this even a proper thing to do? Should I even do that? There, there's all sorts of ministries and people, and, and, and we don't have to name names or whatever, who do this sort of thing and, and look at the Genesis text, and they, and they make implications, they make applications from the text about modern science and how uh, we should understand modern uh, secular science and its deficiencies. Now, I, I want to uh, say something first before we get to that, and I want to say that what I'm going to be critiquing today, I've, I've done numerous times, okay? So I'm not throwing the book at anybody. I'm definitely not condemning anybody or saying that any of these ministries that do this sort of thing are heretical or that they're not even beneficial. Perhaps they are. I'm sure they've led many people to the Lord, and that's fantastic. But the bigger question I'm going to be asking has to do with hermeneutics, has to do with how we approach the biblical text and understand it. You've heard me say before, I never want to understand the text in light of what I already think, whether that be theological or, in this case, scientific or something like that. I want to derive uh, my theology from the text. And so I, that means I want to understand the text on its own ground. And so here's what I'm going to say. I approach the text from, I attempt to approach the text from a historical, grammatical uh, point of view. And so what that basically means <clears throat> is, is a little bit of what I just said, but the, it, I approach it historically, so I want to understand it in its original context, okay? The Bible was not written in 21st century America in English, all right? That would be my context. It, it was written in the ancient Near East in Hebrew, okay? So I need to understand that culture, or to some extent, that'll at least help, and it'll also help to understand the original language. Now, I am not an ancient Near Eastern a scholar, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar. What I have, and what I recommend to you, by the way, is uh, some, uh, a Bible, a modern English Bible, as well as there's plenty of free tools that you can get. And so I do want to recommend this to you. This is, I'm on my laptop here, I have uh, pulled up the Logos uh, Bible software, and I got this for free just the other day. It's Logos 7 uh, Bible software. I don't know if it's still free or how I got it for free, but I just saw it, clicked on it, downloaded it. And, um, and I really like it. I've used other Bible softwares in the past, so I'm sure there's other great stuff out there. But this is a Bible study tool, all right? This isn't a devotional um, to make you walk away with a one-liner that you can tweet about and make you feel good and contemplate and, and, and really meditate on this and, and feel really good, okay? Whatever. That, that's all great and whatnot. 
Uh, but again, I, I really want to get into the text, and uh, I'm not going to take somebody else's word for it, so I'm going to get into the actual text and look at some exegetical tools here, which will uh, help illuminate the text. There's some points about Hebrew, there's points about the ancient Near East and things like that. It's a really good software. I'm not going to... Um, dive too deep into this software you know you can check that out for yourself if you want it and there's others out there as well but again i, I i'm not a scholar on these uh these these sort of topics i'm just a guy with a, a bible and some tools at my disposal that were free and that's available for everybody so i hope that's actually inspiring uh you that i'm just a guy doing this and you can do it too there's no reason you can't but my major point is i want to get into the text i want to understand the text on its own terms and let the text interpret itself and so forth and so forth text 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 textus rex the text is king all right i want to derive my theology from the text i don't want to approach it with any preconceptions now that might actually be an impossible task okay so i want to do the best that i can and so we approach the text, Genesis 1-1, and I'll actually read the first three verses. Let's just go ahead and read it. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Easy enough, right? But I look over here on my exegetical tool, my little commentary over here, and it has a note on Genesis 1.1. It says, Genesis opens with the Hebrew phrase, Hebrew phrase, Bereshith, typically translated as, in the beginning. There are two possible interpretations of this phrase. So right from the get-go, we have a little bit ambiguous language. There's a, a specific, absolute beginning of all time, or a non-specific general beginning of God's work of creation. Now, the Hebrew phrase does not include the definite article, the, which allows for two interpretations. So you see, in the beginning is how it's typically translated. That's very traditional interpretation, and there's, um, there's, you know, there's support for that sort of interpretation. But on the flip side, there's plenty of support for this alternative interpretation, which would look uh, more or less specific, not the beginning, but just a general beginning, and um, that would have other implications of the text. All right, If you take the traditional understanding, then it sounds like, in the beginning, there was just God, all right? No material universe or whatever. And then ex nihilo, from nothing, God created everything. And if you take the alternative, which again has its own support, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar and that sort of stuff, so I'm not going to go into it, but there's uh, plenty who are who can defend this view. It would look more like when at first, or when God began to create the heavens and the earth, and that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm not going to read the rest of this commentary. It's a Faith Life uh, Study Bible, and you can look at the commentary there if you'd like. I'm just going to get to the key point here, which is to say that on this alternative translation, it would insinuate that you have God and the universe and the heavens, and then God says, let there be light. The first um, independent clause would be, "Let there," and God said, let there be light. And that would be the, the main point of the first three verses would be God speaking light into existence, which would presume that the universe and the earth were just kind of already there. So the opening scene in Genesis on this translation would be God, the heavens, and the earth, and then God saying, let there be light. And the question the modern person would have is, 
well, where did the earth and the universe come from? Right? Fair enough question. But this really just wasn't on the mind of the ancient Near Eastern person. This is a very modern uh, question about the beginning of the universe in light of Big Bang cosmology. This probably should go without saying, and again, I'm not going to harp on it too much, but the ancient Near Easterns, including the author of Genesis, did not know about modern cosmology. They did not have a modern cosmological view. They had an ancient Near Eastern cosmological view, which was, trigger warning, drastically different than our own. Okay? It's way different. All right? And this question of an absolute, if you ask them, well, well, did God create ex nihilo? Did it have an absolute beginning? They'd say, what, what are you talking about? It's not on their radar. It's not a question that they would have been asking. And it certainly was not the intent of the author. And this is my major point, okay? Hebrew and, and ancient Near Eastern cultures and all, you know, you don't need to be a scholar to, to see this, all right? Is the author, is the intent of the author to make a, a statement about modern cosmology? Of course not. Of course not. They don't, he does not have access to this information, and he certainly wasn't implying anything. And then even take a step further back, and an even more general statement is, is Genesis a science book? Was that the point? Or was the point to convey theological truths in a time when there was polytheism and all sort of, you know, a God for this, a God for that, and God's all over the place. And then you kind of have this, you have this, you don't kind of, you have this monotheistic, one God, polemic, and um, th that is what seems to be, to me, that the author of Genesis would be doing. To assert that he would have... Um, a modern understanding of cosmology is just beyond me. It's it's just beyond me. All right, and 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 what we have here is, is simply, um, you know, somebody might disagree with modern cosmology and this sort of stuff, and so they read this sort of stuff into the text, and they assert, they lay their preconceptions onto the text without considering the historical grammatical context of the text and generally again i'm not naming names or anybody anything i'm not trying to call anybody out or whatever but generally the people who do this are conservative evangelicals and amongst conservative evangelicals as far as i can tell the historical grammatical approach is the dominant approach to the text itself so it's kind of bizarre you got the people who really hold to this historical grammatical approach violating it when they come to this verse and they and they're pretty selective about it you know they 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 violate the historical grammatical approach at very selective times and other times they're really great with it but we again I, and I just can't emphasize this enough we have to understand the text on its own terms and we have to understand the author and what he would have been intending to say and he certainly isn't intending to make a modern cosmological point. How could he? He's neither modern and nor is the point of this cosmological. I mean, it has, it's a cosmology of sorts, but the point is, the major point of the text is theological. All right? He's making a point about God, not about science.
because the Genesis, the book of Genesis and the Bible in general is not a science book. And thank God it isn't because science books have to be updated all the time. But the Bible makes universal um, truths or it conveys universal truths about God. And, and that's fine. This in no way would um, violate our view, the, the conservative view, which I hold, of inspiration or inerrancy. All right, the Bible was inspired by God. That doesn't mean that God zapped the authors and they didn't know what they were doing when they were writing and it was God, God solely God writing uh, the Bible. No, he, he spoke to human authors and they wrote it down. All right, that means there's a human element to this. And that's, that's why we have to take the historical grammatical approach. We have to understand it in their context. Lastly, I'll say we, we don't want to make the Bible into a science book, all right? We don't want to approach it looking for uh, scientific truths, all right? If we do, we're going to come up with, we're going to have to be inconsistent. We're going to have to pick and choose, right? We're going to have to say things, um, you know, that the Bible says that are obviously false scientifically given our modern scientific understanding, okay? The ancient Near Easterns the, and the biblical authors speak of the gut, Right, your intestines, your stomach, as being the seat of the emotions. We we still talk like this today, right? We say that that uh, you know that came from the heart, right? You're speaking from the heart. That was really heartfelt. Your heart um, does not control your emotions. Your brain does, right? The, there's not the word brain is not even in the Hebrew language in the Bible. First of all. And again, we understand when we talk about emotions coming from the heart. We we know that the heart. It, it, it's simply an organ that pumps blood, all right? That's not what it means. You, you can't look at that phrase and try to pull out some kind of scientific understanding, all right? We know that the brain um, controls the emotions and that sort of stuff. But the Bible speaks of the seat of the emotions as the intestines, and we also know that that isn't true. It's not true, all right? The intestines do not control your emotions, but they're not trying to convey a scientific truth. All right. It's obviously, you know, metaphorical or, or something like that. God has every opportunity in the text to correct that sort of thinking, you know, to convey some kind of scientific truth, and he never does. It isn't the point. The point is not about science. And if you try to make it about that, you are laying on the text something very modern and something never intended by the original authors and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever in the original context. So don't do it. And, you know, and again, you know, I, I've fallen prey to this before. I've done this before. We want to make a point, And we know that if we can tie it to the biblical text, that'll just make it that much stronger. Yay. But, but we don't, we, we shouldn't in some cases like this. And we don't have to. All right, Genesis one one does not have to convey the truth that the universe had an absolute beginning in order for the universe to have had an absolute beginning. Why can't we understand that from a scientific or philosophical point of view? I believe that the universe, um, that God created the universe ex nihilo from nothing, and there was an absolute beginning. It makes sense philosophically, and it also makes sense in light of modern uh, Big Bang cosmology. All right, it at least fits with the evidence. There's, I know there's alternative views and stuff, but it fits with the modern scientific evidence, and it makes sense philosophically to me. Why is that not good enough grounds? Why do I have to try to 
impose it on the text when clearly the text would never intend that. All truth is God's truth, and I, I don't feel the need to take what I understand scientifically or philosophically and then impose that on the text. So again, I'm, I'm simply saying that we should really be committed to the text and taking the historical grammatical approach to understanding the text. We shouldn't take our preconceptions or even the truths that we obtain elsewhere, whether through science or philosophy or something like that, and then impose them on the text as if the biblical author would have been intending that truth to be conveyed through their words. And I'm also not harping on anybody or saying that people who do this are heretical or that no good can come from their ministries or whatever. Of course that isn't true. Of course they're, they're, they're out. I'm sure they're committed to the Lord and they're trying to win souls to Christ and all of that. So I'm not harping on anybody or anything like that. And I'm also not sitting here in a seat of self-righteousness. I've certainly made, made and I probably still do make mistakes like this all the time. I hope I can be corrected if I don't. You probably might disagree with me on this, so by all means, um, attempt to persuade me otherwise. But you're going to have a hard time persuading me that the author of Genesis was intending to convey scientific truth, let alone um, scientific truth that pertains to modern cosmology. That's all I'm saying. Hey guys, thanks for joining. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to subscribe. If you're on the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating. I won't beg you for five stars, but you know, if you can, if you can part with five stars, sure appreciate it. Um, leave your comments, all that good stuff. If you want to watch, uh, if you want access to the bonus segment, uh, head on over to our Patreon page and become a supporter. Uh, you can support the show for as little as a dollar a month. We sure appreciate it. That's at www.patreon.com forward slash help me believe or follow the link in the description. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.